you please bow your heads in a prayer with me right now? Heavenly Father, I ask that you send down your Holy Spirit upon each of our students gathered here right now, especially as a lot of them carry anxiety in their hearts, stress in their hearts, fear of performing well on tests and projects. Just ask you to lighten that burden through this holy sacrifice of the Mass. And Mother Mary, I just ask for your prayers to help them trust in your Son, Jesus, more and more each day. As we all pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Well, again, it's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to have you here with me. If my thoughts are a little bit jumbled, um, if you had to rewind about three hours ago, I had about 20 fourth through seventh grade girls here, and I had to teach them about the Eucharist and have fun with them, and they wrote little signs on the building. You can look at them later, um, but just to wish you all well for your, um, for your final, final week. Uh, one thing I want to do is just review what we've been doing the past um, two weeks. So we've been going through this thing called the stages of conversion, because sometimes a question we ask ourselves is, how do I know if I'm progressing or regressing? How do I know if I'm doing it right? This whole faith thing. How do I know if I'm doing it right? So we started looking at the first two stages, and the first stage is the purgative stage. So purgative means to purge, to basically take off what is not of God in us. And the image I gave to you for that one was the courage it takes for a child to leave what's comfortable, maybe a piece of furniture, right, and walk to the arms of their loving father or mother, right? And it, the courage to take those first few baby steps. And that's a lot of it is, is being purged, right? Purging of fear. But in that, you need a lot of patience and you need a lot of support. And that's that first stage. And some of us, um, due to the way we were brought up, we, we never get out of that stage. We stay there for some reason. And the second stage is the illuminative stage. And that's when I talked last week about the sheep named Shrek and how he hid himself and how you and I are not being called to hide ourselves. He hid himself for over six years in New Zealand in a cave, right? And he actually gained 60 pounds of natted wool, right? And the need to, to shed off that dead weight. And the illuminative stage is like walking without that dead weight around and realizing there's so much hope for me. There's so much freedom for me. But the third stage is where we're called to be. And that is the unitive stage. And it's actually the stage of Christian perfection, which is attainable on earth. And everyone is called to the unitive stage. And that's being in deep union and deep abiding love with Jesus. And a soul in the unitive state has a constant awareness of God's presence and now habitually conforms to God's will. Has actually a desire to be formed, to become like a wet piece of clay in the hands of God. And there's only one desire that grows over time, and that desire is to surrender and surrender more to whatever God wants me to do. The image I'd like to give you today of what that could look like is a body of, a calm, a body of calm water. Just imagine that for a moment. And in that body of water is a small sailboat. And in that sailboat, the sail is up, but in the boat is you and Jesus. The calmness of the water reflects the amount of trust that that person has in God, who is Jesus. 
that no matter where he or she goes who is in the boat with Jesus, no matter where the, the Holy Spirit blows the sails, God has you. He's got you. Things are going to be okay no matter where, he, where you go. And God will provide and that when you feel like he won't or he wouldn't in the past when you're in the purgative stage or when you're in the illuminative stage and that he will lead you to the deepest happiness possible on this side of heaven. And in this trust, in this unitive stage, one thing is over. The one thing that's mainly over is discernment as, am I going to pray today? That, that's done. That's over. I know I'm going to pray today. I can't live without prayer. Many theologians have said things like, prayer is oxygen for the soul. That means if I don't pray, I don't live, right? And one would never desire to leave the boat because they know that's where true happiness actually is. And it's only found in Jesus. And if one were to fall out of the boat by trying to take control of things or by sinning mortally, the first thought would be, I got to go to confession. I'm over myself. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to confess my sins anymore. And there's a question that grows when the person's making decisions throughout the day. And the question is, will this decision, whatever it may be in your life, your day-to-day interactions, big decisions to small decisions, will this truly make me happy in Christ Jesus? Will this really make me happy in Christ Jesus? And there's a freedom that grows in that unitive stage in the soul to receive and give love. And that's the whole challenge of Jesus, the commandment of Jesus is to love one another, which sounds a lot easier until you get to these points where you and I are being stretched in our stress, right? Maybe you're, you're, stre- you're stressed with projects and you're thinking of all these things you have to do. And then the question is, am I still going to choose to receive the love of God and give love back? And if I fall short, there's an invitation to repent, right? And it's also common in this stage for people to misunderstand you a lot. Because the temptation is when people are, are beginning to be in union with God, is that people think that you don't care. And it's actually not that you don't care. It's just that you trust Jesus and you don't want to be stressed out. And you find out when you just let God be your father, everything is just better. And being a child of God, being a beloved son or a beloved daughter, and stop having to fight for your identity, there's freedom there. And in the depths of the soul is a knowledge of what is going to truly satisfy you. There's a knowledge of that won't make me happy, but that will, right? This won't make me happy, but if I do this, I will be happy. And what is beginning to happen in this stage is we're constantly giving the Lord to shine permission, to shine with his permission, his light into my interior life. And that is not an easy or comfortable process. It's actually quite painful to open up and to ask God, are you pleased with what I'm doing? Are you happy with who I'm becoming? Am I bringing honor to your kingdom? And in the gospel today, we hear about John the Baptist. He's in baptizing and people all around are beginning to hear about him from Jerusalem to Judea. And everyone is expecting that a savior will come. Yet it is the one who is misunderstood the most, John the Baptist. He's drawing people due to his austere way of living. 
I don't know if you ever thought about John the Baptist, but he wears like a camel's cloak, right? He, take, he wears like camel hair and he eats honey and locusts and people are attracted to him. I've never understood him. Don't expect me to do that anytime soon. But as he's, he's doing that, he's actually in the desert and he's free and he's happy and he's joyful. And people come to him wondering, is there more to life than this? Is the Christ coming? Are you the Christ or should we wait for another? Because they know what the prophecies say. The, the, the Savior will be born of a virgin. That has already happened, so you can check that box. They say that he'll be born in Bethlehem. That happened. Check that box. They say he'll come to Egypt and he'll leave Egypt and settle in Nazareth. That happened. So Jesus could be the one. Which is a question we should all be asking is, is that if Jesus is the Christ, if he is the Messiah, if he is the Savior, then what should I do, right? And that's what people come to John the Baptist, John the Baptist asking is, what should I do? And John the Baptist has this ability to cut through people's crap. He knows that sometimes that you and I are hypocritical due to sin and we get things disordered. But the one thing that John the Baptist does is he tells us that you and I can convince ourselves of all sorts of silly things and make all sorts of excuses as to why we should be happy or not be happy, right? And, he, and these Pharisees, they know the teachings. They know what is right to do. And he challenges them to live from the inside out and not from the outside in. And in this stage of going from purgative to illuminative to the unitive, where a lot of us, again, we get stuck in that purgative stage, those who are in the early stages might be blinded to who the Savior is, might be blinded to who Jesus is, or might be deaf to what is true, good, and beautiful, or what's actually going to make them happy. And one of my professors in seminary, one of the things he told me, which is super, super, super helpful, and I want you just to look at the, the cross with me for a second. This is going to help you a lot. I want you to point at the cross. You can just do that to point at the cross. It might seem kind of weird. And I want you to repeat these words after me. You are God. Point back at yourself. I am not. I am not. That'll help you so much in your life. <laughs> and, when, and when we are more focused on the exterior, we think that we're God. We think that we can actually control things. But the Lord is in complete control. He's on the cross. He's in complete control when he's working through, his word is working through John the Baptist. And that, that journey is not the only focus. The journey that the Lord brings all of us on as he's challenging through John the Baptist, is, again, also a freedom to detach from the opinions of others. To know that true happiness does not come in making people happy. True happiness comes when you and I are free in Christ Jesus. You know, that he, his opinion, his will is all that matters. And then everything kind of flows from there. And John the Baptist is in the unitive stage. He's detached and he's pointing to a new baptism, a baptism that is for those who truly desire freedom, that is tr the truth, who sincerely desire to be free from addictions, from disordered attachments. And it's important to know that John the Baptist desires for people to change, and people come to him because they want to change. And most of us, the reason why we come to Mass, whether we're aware of it or not, we, we know that something's not right and we want to change. 
And sometimes we don't even know why we come. And then we come and it's like, oh yeah, that's why I go to Mass. And John the Baptist, he does a great job at meeting everybody where they're at. That's what Jesus desires to do for all of us. So whatever your state is in life, it's important to live your holiness from there. So for example, none of you are called to be as holy as me, right? I'm a priest. I have different responsibilities. You're not called to be as holy as a religious sister. Maybe you're somewhere on that path, right? But not yet. You're called to be as holy as a college student is called to be holy. And if you're confirmed, that means you made a yes already. And to withhold that yes by keeping your yes in Christ Jesus. And that's what we're here for at the Newman Center is to help walk with you and encourage you and hold you accountable to what you already said yes to. So John the Baptist, he tells people who are soldiers what to do in their state of life. John the Baptist, when, he, when they come to him, he tells them, you know, it's, a, it's really about being obedient to what I actually tell you to do. And our world is not like a huge fan of obedience. And if, and if you are a fan of obedience, you and I will be friends. But our world is not a fan of that. But this freedom in obedience to God rather to man or to what the world expects of you, there is so much peace there. And again, that's what the calm body of water looks like in the unitive stage. And this year, we've chosen St. Therese to be our patroness for the year. So I talk a lot about her. And she had her, her conversion into the unitive stage when she was 13 years old. And it was on eight, in 1886, on December 25th, her family went to Midnight Mass. Maybe you've done that before. And usually when you go to Midnight Mass, you come back and you're a little bit tired and you're a little bit cranky. And her dad was Mr. Cranky Pants, right? And they had a tradition that you would put shoes out and you would fill them with candy. And she's 13 and he's thinking, well, fortunately, this is the last year we'll have to do this. Her immediate impulse was to burst into tears and make a scene. But instead, halfway up the stairs, she paused and marched back to the parlor and embraced her father and opened the presents with good cheer and thanks. That was her conversion. Sometimes we think, I have to have this huge thing where the, sky, where the clouds part and the sun shines and, and the, I hear the angels and the choirs. But that was Teresa's conversion right there. And a lot of people miss it. And she says, as she wrote later, she said, on that night, the third period of my life began. The most beautiful of them all, the most filled with graces from heaven. She said, I felt a great desire to work for the conversion of sinners. A desire that had never, I've never felt so strongly. In a word, I felt a burning love enter my heart, the need to forget myself in order to love others. And afterward, I was happy. Deep down, isn't that why all of us are here? We want to be happy. The happiness of God is unlike earthly happiness. The happiness of God is knowing that you are loved unconditionally. Another word for that happiness is joy. And St. Therese lived out of this experience at Christmas and began to forget herself in order to love others. And the result was happiness. In the unitive stage, happiness is clearly God's desire for us. But it is not, again, an earthly happiness. It's a heavenly happiness. It's not an, if I just get the right grades, then I'll be happy. Because that lasts for like, what, two days, right? And we, we focus on it so much. It's not an, well, if I just have the right look or the right body, then I'll be happy. 
And that lasts for like, what, 10 days? And you eat something bad and you're like, whoops. Or maybe it's like, I think if I just have right, enough money and the right job, then I'll be happy. The happiness in Christ is interior. <clears throat> that he'll take care of everything. And what he wants to do for a lot of us is renew his love in us. A happiness that, if you were paying attention, was actually spoken about in our first reading from Zephaniah the prophet. And I just want to close by repeating these words to you as a blessing over you. Because I know it's hard. I know it's stressful. That's what we're here for, right? So if you just please bow your heads and close your eyes. I also want to ask you just to ask the Lord just to wash over you. And let his words wash over you. So wherever you're at, he is here to encourage you and to help you. The prophet Zephaniah says, Fear not, be not discouraged. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty Savior. He will rejoice over you with gladness and renew you in his love. He will sing joyfully because of you as one sings at festivals. Fear not, be not discouraged. He will rejoice over you with gladness and renew you in his love. He will sing joyfully because of you as one sings at festivals. Just take a moment of silence to reset our hearts, to restart our hearts, and to focus on that the Lord loves us and his love leads to happiness. And that's what all of us are here for. And the unitive stage, that's where we, we desire to be the most at all times. And we make decisions based on, will this make me happy? And the choice you have made to come here is where that starts and begins every week. Amen.